You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your host, Lynn Markell. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Peasley. And Taylor has been working on a uh, new project. A series of projects. I've been getting, I mean, not that I ever stopped, like, being into painting minis, but, you know, sometimes things are... Creativity ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I recently uh, got a... Tiamat miniature by Lord of the Print, and <laughs> and by miniature that it's, it, it's huge. It's a large. It's a large one. It yeah. is huge, but it's amazing. And gr- I mean, granted, in comparison <clears throat> to like her real size, you know, mini- it's a right. mini. Yeah. But compared to most other things that we know as miniatures, it's very large. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna work on her, and hopefully here soon, her brother will arrive in the mail. He's late, as always. Naturally. I mean, he's off, he's off having an orgy with his ex-arcs. Probably. <laughs> probably. So. Huh. Or, you know, like, just off futzing around. Futzing. In the, in the guise of an old man, you know? Oh, yeah. I forgot know? that the old man was his what his favorite yeah his favorite earthly form. earthly disguise yeah. Yeah. to uh to <laughs> walk amongst the <clears throat> the peoples the peoples well despite the opening being about nothing but dragons we are not talking about dragons today oh okay yeah what a letdown for dang it <laughs> I, I was know. hoping that 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 could be the start of something <clears throat> uh no instead i continued my uh delve into the gross and nasty Oh, boy. oh, and uh, chose troglodytes. That name that, just sounds nasty. That, that yeah. is both gross and nasty. Congratulations. <clears throat> Thanks. They are pretty, uh, I mean, they're nasty creatures for sure. Vile. Vile, smelly, horrible, disgusting. Uh, take your pick. Uh, I'll have none of it, actually. You know, that's fair. I don't think anyone really wants to volunteer, wants to volunteer for it, but... Just like a few of the other things, and this one I wasn't even prepared to realize, there is some real-world, like, history of troglodytes. Yeah, so apparently a troglodyte is a human that basically lives in a cave, or a cave dweller. And it comes from the Greek word, uh, trogl, which basically means, like, (laughs) hole or mouse hole. And wow, this Dien? is my troggle. It was made for me. Dien, Dien. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but which also means go in or dive in. Okay. Um, there's another form of the word that is troglodyte, which <laughs> is an ancient group of people from the African Red Sea coast. Mm-hmm. They were actually recorded by various Greek and Roman geographers and historians. I kind of skimmed through some of them, and it seems like most of them have 
kind of the same thing about them. Uh, they are said to live in caves. They eat snakes, lizards, and other reptiles. They are like swift and fast runners. And they talk in their own language that is described as basically just a high-pitched shrieking noise or kind of like a screech from a bat. Same. <laughs> that's, what my, that's just what goes on in my brain. One of them also mentioned that instead of eating snakes, they were nurtured by serpents. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Those it's are weird. two... I mean, not... I, I, things like this aren't always like this, but I feel like those are two things that might be a little antithetical to each other. So I wonder where the... Yeah. Where it kind of varied there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. For some reason, that just feels like that could be... And this is purely conjecture. I know nothing about this topic. But that feels like that could be the product of, like, one particularly egregious mistranslation of one word. You yeah, know what I mean? exactly how yeah, it feels. definitely. <laughs> There's also the uh, pantroglodytes, which are common chimpanzees. Oh. Huh. Apparently. So the, the vibe is very Neanderthal. Yes. Ish. Um, except for the one thing where there's a genus of small birds named troglodytes. Oh, all right. Okay. I okay. didn't look into that because I was just like, okay, sure. We went from this weird, like, caveman. Cave dwelling. Cave dwelling you know. humanity thing to birds. Sure. Sure. Why not? Whatever. Yeah. So the troglodyte first appeared in. Well, not Monster Manual 13, which is apparently what I typed up here. Hey. Oh, wow. Give it, like... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there have been, like, more than 13 Monster Manuals. Yes, but not from 1977. Okay. Yeah, no. This was the Monster Manual for First Edition, which is what that was supposed to say. Um, in this, they are reptilian humanoids who dwell in subterranean places. So we've gone from Neanderthalic mammals to birds... To reptiles. Yep. Yeah. Great. Love Pretty it. much. Uh, they are chaotic evil, which this is a solid fact for their entire history. They are always chaotic evil. We've, we've been running a pretty good streak of, of those <clears throat> consistent alignments. We yeah. have been. Well, uh, I mean, to, to be fair, we did like Tasha last week, but she's different, I think. Yeah. As far yeah. as that goes. But I feel a lot of them, a lot of them, I feel like they've they've stayed pretty consistent. They haven't even gotten wacky with it in fourth edition a lot, I feel. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy, actually. Um, they shun all types of armor, so they just rely on like their natural armor. So in first edition, their AC was five. Which was really low when you look at the Thacko system. Yeah. You know, I feel like whichever way you slice it, that's a bad AC, that, actually. Yeah, no, it, you're right. It really is. It's, it's bad no matter what. Because that's really bad for modern standards. Oh, definitely. Uh, it doesn't really get much better either. I mean, obviously it's above 10 because everyone's AC, almost everyone's AC is above 10. Almost. Almost. Right. Um, in this, they had infravision of 90 feet, which... Is basically dark vision. It's the now. It's the, yeah. It's the uh, infra infrared spectrum. Yeah. yeah, they are incredibly like sensitive with the infravision. I'll get into that a little bit later. Hmm. And it's so it says the the number appearing for like encounters or if you run into like a tribe of them can be anywhere between ten to one hundred. Oh. That's, that's a variance. Right? That's a yeah. Variance. It's a pretty pretty big variance. They absolutely loathe humans, and I mean. they're... <laughs> <laughs> I 
You know, I was expecting that from Lewin. <laughs> I was expect- you caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> I was one. expecting that from Thanks. me, too. <laughs> uh, their main goal is to slaughter all whom they encounter. Same. <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. Travis, we gotta go. <laughs> well, it's uh, a little late for me. Oh, I'm not human. <laughs> um, we're gonna get into some... Some numbers here, just real quick. It's not as bad as the Modrons. Modrons <laughs> oh God! But there are some numbers here. Okay, this um, just in: numbers are relevant in D anD. d Sometimes I don't like it. Not always, but sometimes. Me neither. For every ten troglodytes encountered, there will be one leader type. Okay. For every twenty, there will be an additional two leader types, and if sixty or more are encountered, there will be a chieftain and two to eight guards. Okay. It, basically, each one is a step up in like hit dice. I think the troglodytes are three. The leader types are like four. The chieftains are, I think, five. And then the guards, I think, are four. Okay. okay. I mean, that's a pretty, I feel like that's a pretty common spec for like creatures or, um, I mean, I say creatures like it, you, that, that, are, yeah, that yeah. are organized. That are, like, at least somewhat intelligent, maybe, um, but are, like, organized into an actual, like, society. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common spec to have, like, per X number of this type, there are Y number of this, you know, yeah, this better Yeah, it type. makes sense, really. Um, the layers of a tribe typically are just, like, very large caves or caverns that have small chambers adjoining it where the members of the tribe live. And I, it didn't mention it, but I'm going to assume that it's also where they keep, like, their eggs and hatchlings. Oh, they're, oh yeah. They're, it's they're mentioned later on, but nothing pounds. was mentioned in first edition as far as, like, where their eggs and their hatchlings go. Right. But I assume it would be somewhere in those, like, adjoining chambers. Yeah. A layer will contain females equal to 100% of the males. And so the same, same yeah, number. It, it phrases things weird. It, that it does, yes. Yeah. And Sometimes. okay, so I was wrong, first of all. The stat block for troglodytes show two hit dice. Okay. But it also says the females fight as one plus one hit dice monsters. So two, two hit, hit dice. dice. <laughs> which is the same as the the normal two. troglodytes. No, listen, one plus one is very different to two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me how. Like, needlessly beating it over the head that they are equivalent. Yeah. Or, or it was changed. It was changed and no one went and changed the grammar. Yeah. Actually, that sounds more likely. That, I'm gonna, that is possible. Yeah, that's um, conjecture, but it seems likely. Um, the only thing the entry states about, like, eggs and hatchlings is that they are of no importance. <laughs> what? Yeah, it says hatchlings and eggs are of no importance. What? That's so weird, because normally they give a sample, like, like okay, they, they are essentially, like, they would say, like, oh, they're ha- hatchlings are just, like, one hit die. Troglodytes or something like that. Yeah, but no. They're, quote, of no importance. They are of no importance. Imagine you are a child of this tribe. Mm-hmm. You you look up to every adult around you. You know that they will love and protect you. An adventurer comes through. Every adult you know abandons you because you are of no importance. 
Hooray! Yay! Yeah, that's pretty much all it said about eggs and hatchlings. They are of no importance. Not even like, <laughs> oh, you can sell the eggs for... Oh, Jesus. That hurts me. Yeah. Okay? Right? I feel bad for these guys. Yeah. I, already. <laughs> so they attack with uh, claws and teeth, or at least they can. Mm-hmm. 50% of them use weapons of some type. These weapons usually are either javelins, a stone battle axe, a stone morning star, or a sword. Okay. Um, the javelins are kind of like specific to them. Like it's their preferred weapon, basically. And right, right. it gives any troglodyte using it a plus three to hit. Okay. But anyone else, it would be a normal, normal, normal weapon. like roll, mm-hmm. basically. They have this uh, special ability, and this is where the nastiness comes in. Oh, yay. I was wondering. Called Revulsion Odor. <laughs> okay. Says, when aroused for battle, troglodytes <laughs> emit a secretion which smells extremely disgusting to humans. Um, Travis, I'm just asking, uh, I just want to know where the choice to use the word aroused came from. Was that you? Nope, that was them. Okay. That was a direct quote. Got it. When aroused for battle. I don't like it. <laughs> There's, they could have taken the A off of it. Like, roused. roused. No. <laughs> aroused. Oh, oh, are you ever <clears throat> horny to fight? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and I guess because it had to be specifically stated way back when, it also says that it also includes dwarves, elves, gnomes, half-elves, and halflings. So I guess in the wording, when you just refer to humans, it is literally just humans. So okay, which is probably where the case of using humanoids came more into favor. Yeah, right. because yeah. then they have to like go on and... Explain, like, it also includes all of the other races. You gotta know that in, like, they didn't have that. And in some, and in, in playtesting, you know, there was, like, one person who wasn't playing a human. Fucking Brian. Damn it, Brian. And Brian was like, well, you see here, it I'm says, not a human. I'm not a human. Oh, God, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm Brian. So, Brian, this, <laughs> Brian is me. This uh, revulsion odor is a saving throw against poison. And if you fail it, you lose one point of strength per round Uh for 1d6 rounds that is cumulative. Loss of strength will last for 10 rounds after it has taken the final effect. Oh, strength strength damage always scares me. Yeah. Yeah. So you could lose up to six points of strength and then not gain that back for 10 rounds. I only have about that much, so... I don't have that much. I would die. Yep, you would both fall unconscious and die. Yay! And naturally, they have a chameleon-like power, which allows them Uh, to uh, change their skin coloration to just various shades of, like, gray, brown, green, pretty much anything that can blend into their environment. Those natural colors. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said naturally. naturally. Like we I mean, were, s- they're lizard-like. Like creatures. we were just supposed to know. Yeah, that. but there, it, it doesn't say chameleons. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's there's fair. lots of lizards that don't have camouflage powers, like the dragons. <laughs> that all right? That's fair. Um, jumping to the Monstrous Compendium, Volume Two, for Second Edition. Um, this now has them, uh, living not only in caverns, but also just various cracks and crevices of mountains. 
Cool. I, I guess they got just a little bit more specific on where they live. They, they, they got a more fleshed out home. Yeah. They also got a little bit more fleshed out as far as like their description goes. Because now we have the fact that they stand about six feet tall and are covered in like a sort of roughy, leathery scales. Lovely. With lizard heads. Cool. That have teeth. I mean, you're, I you're, I feel like that should be that one is that, that one, one is a naturally yeah yeah but figured I'd say it anyway just in case well, actually no anyway <laughs> um I, again this also continues the whole trend of they hate like men and humans above all other creatures same and constantly launch bloody raids on human communities same. normally searching out food and steel <gasps> same. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, mostly just the former. <laughs> hmm. We're learning a lot here, and not just about troglodytes. I'm a little scared. You should be. Um, you can distinguish the males from the females very easily due to males having a fin-like crest that like runs across their heads and kind of like down their necks. So you I can... guess the females won't have that. They'll just basically be bald in a sense. So there's a lot of sexual dimorphism. Yeah. Um, yes. For example, the males have two hit dice, and the females have one plus one hit dice. <laughs> That's another example of sexual dimorphism in Dragon Oh, my God. Fuck. Are these crests, like, colorful at all, or...? Yeah, I'm into this description. Because um, that's a lot of... I feel like that's a lot of lizards. Like, yeah. I'm thinking... It's not a crest so much, but I'm thinking of, like, anoles, you know? Yeah. How they have the bright, like, throat yeah. flap, you Dirty know? flap. Their colors can vary just because of their chameleon-like right. ability, but it kind of stated at one point that their sort of natural colors are more the, like, grays and browns. Yeah. Okay. No. No, they can use their chameleon. They can use their chameleon abilities to make their crest, like, colorful for mating displays, I've decided. I, you know what? I support this decision. Thank you. I also support this decision. Because I feel like that's such a like missed opportunity. Well, not necessarily because we we don't we don't know if it is something that they maybe talk about later. But I feel like if you're gonna give them like that kind of thing, like go it should be, go home. Yeah, and it should like it's the kind of thing that I feel like it, it would be a, sh- a, a shoe in to have it like be part of. The, they had like the biggest, yeah, the biggest, most colorful crest is like the most impressive male. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. Because, yeah. you know, animals. Nope, they have another way of determining uh, oh. who their leader is and oh, who okay. the better one is, basically. Cool. Okay. Uh, get to that later, though. Nice. Right. So, um, the only piece of armor that they wear doesn't actually really count as armor. It's just basically like leather belts that are used to hold their weapons. So they're Final Fantasy? <laughs> Actually, no. They're getting rid of belts. Uh, any if if you if you if, hey if you play you you know what I'm talking about. So they're na- I was gonna say they're naked is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, pretty much constantly. Same. So <laughs> no, that's literally untrue. It's just the meme. They uh. they value steel. So pieces of steel that are adorning a belt is kind of like a sign of power in the troglodyte culture. Oh, okay. So a lot of... Their leaders would typically fashion their belts with various pieces of steel. Belt buckles and shit. Yeah, and just like random places just to show wealth and power. I got belts and you don't. (laughs) So they speak their own language, which is, I'm pretty sure, just called 
like troglodyte? Troglodytian? Uh, troggle. Troggle. <laughs> uh, and they speak no other languages. When it comes to, like, raiding and whatnot, they prefer ambushes rather than frontal assaults. That makes sense. Yeah, they're not- they They have that kind of spec, I feel. Yeah. yeah. So typically they'll choose, like, a very well-traveled mountain or subterranean path, use their chameleon power to blend into the rocks and just wait for a target. Makes sense. Yeah. And once they find a suitable target, they hurl volleys of javelins at them. Oh my gosh. Uh, Two times. And then after the second volley, they will then descend upon the probably already damn near dead target and finish Finish them. Yeah. Two. Not once. Not thrice. Twice. 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 Okay. Uh, they're revulsion-old. Revulsion-old? Revulsion-old. <laughs> it's a very hard phrase to say. Revulsion-old. Uh, yeah. 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 No. See? Yeah. It's hard. I, I was <laughs> I I was immediately humbled there. That that L just kind of like sticks with Revol- you. Blah, blah, blah. It feels like you're about to summon Lord Voldemort. <laughs> Lord Voldemort. <laughs> Their revulsion odor has changed a little bit. Where now it's if you fail a saving throw, you just lose 1d6 points of strength rather than the whole cumulative over rounds part. Okay. That's good. That's less scary. Yeah, it still remains for uh, 10 rounds. That's still less um, less scary, but still scary. (laughs) Strength damage is still scary. Still still a pretty scary thing. Their society is organized into clans. Uh, Each clan is led by a chieftain. Which, how they figure out who the chieftain is, it is the biggest and most fearsome of them all. Fair. Basically, yeah. you fight for it. Yeah. That that seems par for the course for a organization of chaotic evil, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, like people it, that are called troglodytes. It's boring. It's played out. But it makes sense. Yeah. It, it does. Um, they also have a number of sub-chieftains. That are basically chosen from troglodytes that are, like, the most distinguished and, like, who distinguished themselves the most in battle. Yeah. So, for a second, the only thing I could think of as far as, like, distinguished goes was, like, (laughs) distinguishing characteristics. Oh, I thought you meant... See, my brain supplied... For those of you who who can't see, I grabbed my tea and I stuck my pinky out, as you do. (laughs) I thought you meant distinguished, like, distinguished gentlemanly. Uh, (laughs) A little distinguished gentlemanly troglodyte. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I need it. I'm not going to demand it because (laughs) uh, we're going to sidetrack it. He's wearing a little suit. He's got a teacup. He's wearing a suit with a lot of belts. Jesus. No. (laughs) <laughs> That's just straight up a Final Fantasy character. Anyway. Um, due to their ranking system and how it works, it's a very sort of like loose system. Mm-hmm. So there's often like internal fights or squabbles no. that happen to prove that you're better than the current chieftain. Not there. Certainly not. No. It says hatchlings number about 50% of the male population and are non-combatant. So, not that they are of no use, they're just non-combatant. Wow, they got an upgrade. <laughs> Yay. Sure. <laughs> um, no, of no importance. Of oh! no importance. Troglodytes oh. are strict carnivores and prefer human flesh. 
over all other types. Uh, naturally. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this doesn't stop them from devouring practically anything that they can catch. Fair. Which apparently can also include members of other troglodyte clans. Oh. Yay, cannibalism. Yay. Wait a minute. No. Not yay. No? Oh. You just said you prefer human flesh over all other. Okay, yeah, listen. so <laughs> listen, I feel like uh, you can't talk about cannibalism now. Listen, I hear, I just hear someone say something funny, and I just instinctually say same. It's what <laughs> happens, okay? Yeah, it's, it's fair. Okay. Yeah. Um, it also pointed out that they don't get hunted very much by other creatures, and it said that's because their taste is worse than their smell. I mean that that follows because that, you know yeah. your your taste and your olfactory system are very closely linked. Yeah. So yeah, so they taste a lot worse than they smell. Imagine and it's just because of the taste, or just because of the smell, <clears throat> rather. So if you just like really plug your nose, like chocolateite meat. You tastes mean like, like um, durian. durian? Yeah, yeah. Chocolateites are the durian <laughs> of of the D and D world. Yeah. Except for an actual, like, fruit that's a durian equivalent that might exist. Yeah. But, like, as far as meat goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Well, uh, we have an ecology mm. article. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Uh, which is how I decided to do troglodytes, because I was looking at a list of all ecology things and was like, ooh, troglodyte, what is this? And I love that for, like, pretty much every single, like... Like, let's say, like, monster or, like, alternative, not just, like, a human, like, race or species or whatever. There's pretty much at least one ecology article. Yeah, it's pretty good. There are a lot of ecology yeah. articles. <laughs> um, but we'll get to that after the break. Oh, damn it. Damn it. Oh. Gotcha. Always getting us with the ecology articles. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode over Troglodytes. Um, we are still running our affiliate partnership with Metallic Dice Games. Make sure you uh, keep your keep your dice that you order from them away from your Troglodytes or else they'll start to smell bad. Yeah. Or if they're shiny, they'll just take them. Yeah. You, and then kill you for them. Because they do have metal dice. They do, Ooh, yeah. Which are, by their very nature, quite shiny. Very much so. But if you go to metallicdicegames.com, pick out all of your preferred favorite uh, shinies. Yes, preferred shinies and accessories and whatnot. On checkout, just enter the code DUNGEONPEDIA and you'll get 10% off the entire order. So make sure you get everything all at once so you can just capitalize on it all. And make sure that you keep them away from the drugs. Also and that. me. And Lewin. And, and Lewins. Who might be a troglodyte now that I think about it. But if you'd like to support us, even if one-third of us is a troglodyte, uh, we still have our Patreon. It's just Dungeonpedia. We have a tier available where you get access to our notes, which for some of those can be a real trip. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you can continue to support us by just following us on our social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Dungeonpedia. Uh, we, we try and, you know, converse with we try. Other members of the community. We just, we try. Oh my god. D&D community. Oh my god, do we try. <laughs> try and keep you guys updated about what we're doing and that sort of thing. If you have any episode suggestions, comments, concerns, uh, just want to talk, any of that, you can... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi. If you want to speak to a real deal troglodyte. <laughs> Listen. I don't know why we decided you're a troglodyte. You are nothing like a troglodyte. You are definitely more goblin-y. Yeah. This is true. I mean, th- see, I feel like it's like fingers and thumbs. Like, there's a specifically steel shiny things, mm-hmm. but I like any shiny things. So you're a crow. Yes. Anyway, I, I feel like we're, we're, we we fall under some kind of umbrella together. <laughs> if you know what Lewin is, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Please help me. <laughs> oh. Uh, also helpful is subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. And you can get notifications for when we upload new episodes because of our aforementioned uh, Twitter aforementioned some, sometimes lacking Twitter efforts. Uh, and also helpful is if on those said platforms you can leave a rating or a review. That's very helpful. Helps us stand out. You can also tell your friends who like troglodytes. If yeah. you have any troglodyte friends, since I'm a, apparently a troglodyte. Or maybe. a goblin. We're, <laughs> jury's still out. <laughs> we'll find out. But if you have any friends who would be interested in us, let them know. I know what everyone is interested in, and that is Dice. obviously Alexander Nakarada and his wonderful music that we use for our theme song, Blacksmith. Yes. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you. It's amazing, and we still love it. And thank you for listening to our episode thus far. And uh, let's You're get amazing, back. and we still love you. Yes. And let's get back to the ecology articles. Yes. <laughs> Woo! All right, ecology time. Yeah, I I need to further my zoology studies. Yes, ecology time. So, this comes from Dragon Magazine number 235, which was uh, published in 1996. Same. Taylor was also published in 96. I was. That's one one way to say being born. born. Yeah. Sure, I like it. I'll go with it. So, uh, this one was definitely one of the more, like, interesting ones that I've read so far. Uh-huh. And has, like, a great twist ending to it. Ooh! So, the article is written in the form of a wizard called Farand Two-Spell. <laughs> Are you sure he's not a warlock? On account of his two spells. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was- Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm I'm leaving. That's the best D&D jokes I've ever heard. I'm leaving. Okay, I'm leaving. I just peaked. Like, I'm never going to say anything funnier (laughs) or, like, more clever than that. I'm done. Bye, guys. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) It's been real. It's been fun. That's the funniest thing I've ever said. Holy shit. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. So, So, coming down from the peak. Fernand Tuspell. Wait, no. Farron. Farron. Franz, Franz Ferdinand Tuspell. God damn it. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. Farrand Tuspell. Yeah. Um, he's giving a presentation of troglodytes, and yeah. it's mostly about their language to a group of members of the Corbellian Order of Magecrafters. Is, is it just screaming? Please tell me that their language no. is just screaming in D&D. So, just to... Set the uh, ambient tone here. Oh, yeah. Basically, the theater that they're in is dimmed out. There's like little to no light because he's using illusion spells to like make illusions of holograms of like tunnel systems and a troglodyte and stuff as he goes. It's very dramatic. It's, it's, it it's is like full TED talk over here. Yeah, yeah this isn't just like a like a regular academic presentation. This guy's like being extra about it. Yeah. 
So uh, this bit of information is important for later. He created his own spell that is known as Cognitive Conveyance. Again, important for later. I'll get to that. So centuries ago, there was a sage by the name of Amiris who compiled a lexicon of the troglodyte language and found out that troglodyte speech traces itself back to a highly degraded form of like a primitive lizard man tongue. Okay. That follows given their right. lizardiness. And yes. if you're like me, you probably thought, yeah, that makes sense. They're both lizard-like creatures and are probably related somewhere. Oh. But they're not. Oh, shit. There is no physical relation between the two races. And at this point, like, Farron makes two different illusions, one of, like, the Lizardmen and one of a troglodyte, and has them posing in, like, various ways to show all the differences and how there's, like, no correlation. Mm -hmm. I am loving this scene, by the way. Same. It's pretty good. The relationship between their languages is just a very small one. So much so that it said that if an adventurer speaks either of these languages, they will only be able to understand 10% or less of the other one. Hmm. Okay. So if for whatever reason you know how to speak Troglodytian, I think is actually... (laughs) Troggle. Then you won't be able to speak Lizardmen that well. You would just be able to understand the same percentage that I can understand when I tab out of a subbed anime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Also interesting of note was that while the troglodyte language can actually be transcribed by others, the troglodytes themselves have no concept of written records. Oh, so it's like a fully oral history for them. Yeah. And a lot of that is due to the fact that they're not terribly intelligent. Like, they're dumb. Okay. Their intelligence well, peaks at like six or seven. Same. Um, <laughs> so they're, but they're like, they're just like unintelligent humanoids. It's not like animal intelligence. Right. Okay. They, they do have like humanoid intelligence, at least enough to use weapons and such like Function that. Function in somewhat of a society. Right. Yeah. Right. They're just not like highly intelligent, like a human or a dwarf or. Right. Yeah. So they're just like, they're you. an, un, they're unintelligent humanoids essentially. Well, below average intelligence. They're on, um, what is it? Um, hold on, there's a um, first world society, a second world society, a third world society, and then is it fifth world society that has, where uh, everyone's kind of like uh, needs of the self and the immediate group and not so much the community at all? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yes, I believe it is the fifth. That's an interesting... We came across this subreddit that had, like, a list of almost all the way up to, like, the 1,000th level. Which was basically hive mind. Yeah. Okay. Societies. Which, that's... Hmm. Anyways. Yeah, it was... It was weird, but, yeah, basically like that. Okay, I see. Um, There's also no recorded, like, occasion of a troglodyte ever learning even a single word in a foreign language. I mean, that makes sense, because they hate foreigners. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's not the right word. Well, yeah, I mean, they hate... Essentially. They hate, like, humanoids. Outsiders. That's what actually the word I was looking for. Outsiders, yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, and they hate, like, humanoids, which are the primary groups of of people in Dungeons & Dragons who speak languages. So yeah. You're not wrong. 
And unlike the Lizardmen language or virtually any other language, the Troglodyte language doesn't seem to have evolved, like, at all over the course of time. It's been the same pretty much, like, forever. Huh. Interesting. That is incredibly interesting for a... Language. <laughs> a oral language, specifically. Yeah, true. Right? Um, it gave an example, like, the Lizardman language took the phrase halfling from the human language to describe that race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas the troglodytes basically just took phrases from the Lizardman language and put them together to describe them as bad-smelling little humans. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Go off. Aww. So they have no like concept of evolving or taking words from other languages. Instead, they take what they already know and just combine phrases together to make a new description. German? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, there are numerous words that are of like troglodyte origin that no one has ever been able to decipher. There is also a highly mysterious lack of many basic, like, adjectives and adverbs that the Trugs speak. Okay, I'm also, I'm, I'm laughing in the background because I'm thinking of that stupid Tumblr post about um, the translation of potato in French. Oh, where yeah. Where it's, it's palm de terre and someone is just so mad that it's just like earth apple. <laughs> That's why I'm dying. If you know, you know. <laughs> Fucking Earth Apple. Earth Apple. Earth Apple. Um, sorry. Bad smelling little humans be cooking Earth Apples. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Moon's dead. Okay. Moon's dead. Okay. They're not very descriptive. No adjectives, no adverbs. <laughs> right. It? Okay. Um, <clears throat> fuck. There has been a form of the troglodyte language that has been transcribed enough that it can be taught to humans in order to, like, somewhat interact with them, provided that they don't kill you immediately. It's just all cusses. Fucking probably. (laughs) That's, like, all you would get from that, from interacting with them, is just cusses. But, I mean, the language that has been transcribed and can be taught expresses less than 50% of the total content of troglodyte speech. Huh. Like, the concept of how they speak is so hard to grasp, mm-hmm. apparently. And, as it turns out, comprehend languages and tongue spells don't work huh. when it comes to translating what they call troglodytian. Huh. Or troggle. Yeah. Yeah. That's creepy. Let's never do that again. Um, what? <laughs> That's yep. very... What? Okay. Yep. There huh. is a reason... For this, however, Mm -hmm. it even stated that even the more, like, powerful versions of these spells leave, like, weird, inexplicable gaps in its translations. Good Hmm. lord. Interesting. So, like, at this point, um, Farrand is telling his story because he basically decided that he was going to try to take over his predecessor's work and continue trying to figure out the troglodyte language. Right. So he actually ends up capturing a troglodyte, attempted the various language spells to um, no avail. Super ethical. I mean... Super ethical anthropology there. Hey, the troglodytes aren't ethical either, so... (laughs) This just in. Two negatives sometimes make a positive, I guess. (laughs) 
I mean, they, they always, it always, you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm just saying there should be a board somewhere that should have problems with what he's doing. I don't disagree. I mean, there probably are, but nah. And after trying like the various language spells, he takes the troglodyte back to where he captured it, yeah. found okay. a uh, secure hiding place for his body. Um, Farron. Oh. Oh, I was like, like, when did he kill the troglodyte? (laughs) Right? We missed something here. No, he has not killed the troglodyte. In fact, he needs the troglodyte alive and well for what he's going to do next. Okay. Okay. So once he finds a secure hiding place for his body, he casts his cognitive conveyance spell and releases the troglodyte. Now, this spell allows the caster to enter the target's mind and follow the target, basically experiencing everything the way the target does. Oh, he's in the sunken place. They kind of, like, share... Um, a brain? A brain and, like, sunk- a body. And he can see through the troglodyte's eyes and, like, hear and... He's literally in the sunken place. Take everything from the troglodyte as it encounters it, basically. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing he noticed was that their infravision is the most powerful infravision that is known. Stronger than any elf's at this point. Yeah. We're still in, like, second edition, so... Right. Elf's infravision was really strong. Mm-hmm. And it said, quote, What you enjoy is but a pale reflection of the infravision of a troglodyte. Oh, and you gotta know <clears throat> that every single intellect, like, body of elvish academia... Tried to, like, suppress that knowledge because uh, nobody's infravision is better than our infravision. Oh, probably. <laughs> Fucking assholes. <laughs> so the troglodyte is, at this point, walking through a tunnel system to get back to his clan. Mm-hmm. And as it's happening, Farrand has created an illusion that is basically, like, what you would basically picture as a map from, like, a game Mm-hmm. And, like, showing the twists and turns of this tunnel as the troglodyte is walking. Nice. Nice. That's sick. Um, the troglodytes can apparently differentiate temperatures as little as a tenth of a degree apart, hmm. which allows them basically to, like, visually see the variating temperatures of the walls, the floors, and the ceilings of caves, which allows them to navigate pretty much flawlessly. Hmm. Ah. They also use smell as their second most powerful sense so they use little like scent markers basically on the corners of walls and caves for navigation as well they can smell around corners if they are downwind of them so that's that's a uh, handy yeah that's pretty interesting um it actually describes their layers a little bit more basically just that they are like arranged in a way to facilitate the distribution of important scents uh, often they will pick or modify caves so that the primary direction of air circulation is from the main entrance towards other small exits and air vents, which allows the sense of intruders to be wafted to any of the defenders before uh. they would even like know the troglodytes are there. So what you're saying is the furthest downwind is where the eggs and the hatchlings hang out because they are of no importance. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Gotcha. For, you know what? For for lower like humanoid intelligence creatures, that is very elaborate. I feel. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not necessarily saying that as as a way to be critical. Like, I don't necessarily. No, think I mean, those two I, things are antithetical. I just think it's very interesting. I yes. I agree. Like they've figured out that 
they can use their incredibly high sense of smell to basically alert them to any intruders before mm-hmm. they would even know. It's a very interesting yeah. like technique to use. Mm-hmm. For sure. <clears throat> Um, they eat raw meat because they shun like cooking fires or other sources of heat that could blind their infravision. Oh, because okay, they yeah. dwell, you know, in the caves almost all the time. Because their infravision is so strong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they do raid town or something, they usually wait for a moonless night. Makes sense to raid so they can see a lot better, and so most other creatures can't really see at all. And actually, this is kind of like one of the main reasons that they raid human civilizations is to obtain worked metals because they are incapable of forging since the heat of a forge would blind them. Yeah, because of aforementioned fire. And also kind of in the same vein, this is why possession of steel is considered a sign of status and power. Because it's hard to obtain. Yeah, Yeah, because it's something that they cannot make themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, remember that Farrand is experiencing all of this himself as well, just Mm -hmm. through the troglodyte. Just wait until someone introduces them to sunglasses. Oh my god. It'll be all over over. for everybody else. Um, apparently the way troglodytes like to relax is by smelling samples of, like, collections of flowers, rocks, and furs. Aww! I'm dead! so cute! Aww! And uh, that's so adorable. This is where some of the of these chaotic, evil little beauties, little creatures. Beauties. I'm like, that's so cute. This is where some of the like more interesting details of their language comes into play. Nice, because eventually the troglodyte does end up talking to other troglodytes. Natch, and even from within the mind of this troglodyte, conversations with others. Seem to have been missing like keywords or descriptives, sometimes even like whole sentences, mm-hmm. which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he's experiencing everything the troglodyte is, but the troglodyte right. is holding this conversation and he can only hear parts of it or yeah. understand parts of it even. So, uh, this is a direct quote. But the key to the missing words came when I realized the name of the individual I was being conveyed by. I never heard his name spoken, but more than once, at a point in the conversation when a name would have been expected, I smelled a curious <gasps> blend of fragrant fragrances. Oh. Yeah. Hell yeah. Turns out, troglodytes use a form of communication that very few other creatures do. Olfactory. Yes. I'm so into that shit. <laughs> So that Sick. is the missing link as to why... Is smell. You can't understand the full language because some of their words are still used with an olfactory sense. Right. Yeah, which, <clears throat> you know, even though that the the troglodyte whose body he's occupying can smell that, it's not like that would translate into, into a word in Farangar's Secret Fire's head. I can't remember what his name is. Farin to spell. Thank you. Um, like, that wouldn't translate into his, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. a so word that he's hearing in his brain. Basically, it's said that he he had to, like, focus on this several times when, like, the name would have been expected before he was able to pretty much translate the smell to what the words would be for the human tongue. And in this case, the troglodyte's name was essentially rose-boiled cabbage mild skunk. I love it. I love rose boiled cabbage. 
wild cabbage mild skunk. Yeah. So he, I mean, <laughs> oh. it, it took him a while, but he finally figured it out. Imagine seeing a commercial for Rose Blood <laughs> Cabbage Mouth Skunk from Yves Saint Laurent. It's great. <sighs> and now it's basically like figured out that the original language of the troglodytes was ol- the olfactory language, but they took on some form of like verbal communication just to give them some way to communicate with other races if they needed to. Mm-hmm. So that's the only reason they have like a spoken language in the first place. Yeah. I love it so much, actually. And uh, guards will use this scent language basically to cry out alarms in what is basically an olfactory voice mm-hmm. without making a sound, which allows them to alert like other troglodytes within smell range of intruders, but not disclose to the intruders that they are aware that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, the smell that causes the humanoids to basically just turn into the vomiting heaps on the floor yeah, is actually a buildup of the olfactory battle cries, combat orders, screams of rage, pain, and hunger, and other various smells and phrases that the troglodytes are emitting mm-hmm. or speaking to the others. Right. So that's why they smell so bad. Because it's just a jumbled mess of all these different smells and words. Mm-hmm. Um, they can also tell which opponent is the most afraid by the fear scent that they release. And they tend to concentrate their attacks on the most fearful. Rude. Right? So this is where kind of the twist ending uh, comes into play. So it took Farron quite a bit of time to learn all this information. And as he was talking, you know, he was creating the illusions and making them go away. But the one illusion that never fully went away was that of the troglodyte. And throughout his speech, someone in the audience kept mentioning that there was a smell. The smell kept getting worse and worse (gasps) and worse. So Farron's cognitive conveyance has a slight, problem with it oh oh my god no real oh shit so every hour spent sharing another's mind and body removes the caster five percent from his own body tobias so that he will have lost 25 percent control of his body's actions after five hours and after 20 hours he will not have any contact at all with his original body oh shit it's an animorphs Shit, it's an animorph. <laughs> Holy shit. So what happened was he was so enamored by learning all the smells. All the smells and everything that he didn't keep track of time. Uh-oh. Oh no. Spaghettio. And Farand is now trapped within this troglodyte's body, which he had to fight <clears throat> over the troglodyte's mind for control of to walk out of the cave system, pick up his body. Take it back to his house and try to work out a way to release him because now he has no connection with his physical body. He um, can't just jump back out. His name was a uh, rose boiled cabbage mouth skunk. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. Right. Of course. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> so basically oh, the end of it was uh, him being like, please help. Yeah. He was basically like, I will give Thanks. credit. To Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Anybody that figures out how to get me out of this body. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. 
Uh, I'm stuck in the body of this uh, troglodyte. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. God. <laughs> ah. So it says uh, there is like a few ways that you might be able to might uh, get out, uh, like transfer your body or your consciousness consciousness back to your body to, mm-hmm. to get out and basically <laughs> it's with uh nothing less than a limited wish spell oh shit oh my god that is a very powerful s- well i say powerful spell that's not meant to be the effect of the spell uh no that is a side effect that he was aware of he just, just didn't didn't keep track of the time he put all his points into intelligence and none of them <laughs> into wisdom yep yep <laughs> so that was a very interesting uh, article, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. That's so good. So now we're going to jump to the monster manual for third edition, which I, I'm really not sure if I just didn't pay any attention to this before or if they didn't really have it listed in like the other interest or entries. But apparently the uh, initiative of a troglodyte is negative one. <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> Why that sucks. sucks? Yeah. Bad. Okay. Uh, well, mostly because they have a negative one to dexterity. That's why. That that, that would be it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Their AC is fifteen, basically because of the dexterity and the fact that they only rely on their natural armor, mm-hmm. which is a plus six. So yeah, fifteen. Uh, they've broken down a little bit more, whereas like groups that are found are called uh, clutches, which is two to five. A squad, six to eleven, plus one to two giant lizards. Yeah. Uh, or a band, which is 20 to 80, plus 20% non-combatants, plus 3 to 13 giant lizards. Okay. I like the highly specific numbers here. Right. Uh, they are, quote, revolting lizard creatures as evil as the phallus demons. Mm. Mm. I don't know if the phallus demons are pretty evil. They're pretty they're pretty evil and fell. Like we've learned this, so I do yeah. contest that just a little bit. Yeah. These um, just seem like your regular run of the mill kind of. Yeah, maybe foul. Maybe foul. Foul, yeah. sure, but eh, I don't know. Maybe about... as maybe as evil as like an averagely foul demon. Not the most foul demon. Nah. Yeah. No, no, no demogorgon or something. Um, so they shrunk. <laughs> And they are now five feet tall and weigh about 150 pounds. I don't really know why there was such a big, like, change in their height, but, eh, They They small. Well, five foot's not precisely, like, super small, but, you know. Yeah. They're pretty small. So, like I mentioned, they're not, like, terribly intelligent. In this particular entry, their intelligence is an eight. I mean, that's not terrible. It's not. Like... That's two, like, that's two points below... Like the the average, so yeah, and terrible. I think that their intelligence increased by like one or two over the course of the first two editions. Yeah, um, their stenchability is more or less the same. Okay, mm-hmm. um, it just like the phrasing changes a little bit where it says that you are overcome with nausea the last ten rounds and deals one d six points of temporary strength damage. Mm-hmm. Their layers have hatchlings equal to one fifth the number of adults. And eggs equal to one-tenth. That's not a lot. No. No. It feels like it should be inverse of that. You would think, but... Because that's typically how, how reptiles do, is they have a whole bunch of eggs, because since 
they don't typically Care which for their young. yeah, which troglodytes are a little different than that, I think. But they but typically still. have a, have a lot of eggs. They they're just throwing a lot of spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks, essentially. Yeah. Unlike humans who don't have big litters of babies because we take care of them. Yeah. You know. And funny enough, I actually didn't find like hardly any mention of like their their mating rituals or like how they like raise their hatchlings and stuff. It just kind of isn't there. You know, they probably have a have a very intricate mating ritual. It's just mostly based around scent, so we would have no idea what's going on. Probably, probably. either that or it's just like <clears throat> all we like. Nobody's ever been able to. Here's my head can. Nobody's ever been able to study it because anytime they get close enough, it just fucking reeks too bad, and they can't. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> they have to leave. <laughs> They're like, yeah. this literally smells so bad. I cannot observe this. So this is also the first time that uh, them worshipping a deity is mentioned. Ooh. Uh, which is Laugzid. Oh, I was going to make a joke that it was going to be Jublex because he's nasty. No, it's uh, Laugzid. I don't actually know if that's how it's pronounced. But <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure that you pronounce that two different ways each time. Laugzid. Laugzid. Basically, who, he's just a vile deity who resembles a cross between a toad and a lizard. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, Apparently, they do also have a favored class. Oh. Um, Their favored class is a cleric. Hmm. Yeah. Caught me off guard, too. Uh, mm, Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's not what I would have expected. Yeah. Most of their leaders are clerics. And um, when it comes to, like, if you had a troglodyte player or if you wanted to flesh this out a bit more as far as, like, the NPCs go... They can choose between chaos, death, destruction, and the evil domains. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure, there's a through line there. Yep. And uh, here we go, jumping on to 4th edition. Yay! <sighs> yeah. Okay. So, like every other creature we've Why do we hold come across. Out? Why do we hold out hope <clears throat> each time? I <sighs> Troglodytes have now been separated into four different types. This is coming from the first okay. monster manual. I will note that there are like three or four other variants in monster manual two for fourth edition. Oh, but I was just not even going there. Okay, let me take a <clears throat> let me take a wild guess, or maybe I'm about to steal your thunder and fourth edition's thunder. Let me guess, they're just purely different for the purposes of combat. And hold basically nothing special to do with the lore. More or less. Oh, wow. More or less. I will admit that there is a part of it that it I'm explains in the lore in 4th edition that it didn't explain anywhere else. Oh, okay. So right. they did do something they good, did at least. Suck. Give us anything. <laughs> Usually, and sometimes this can be a good thing if it like gives you a good starting point for creating stuff, but not so much if you are a podcast on lore... But usually, 4th edition gives us almost nothing, or just worse than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. This one actually expanded a little bit, but... It gives us, like, a an, an iota of something. Ugh. Yeah. It sounds. And as typical for 4th edition, their sensibility has now been turned into just to, like, a constant oh God. aura. Auras! Not the auras! <laughs> the auras! Oh, I'm so sick of talking about fucking auras. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it says that any living enemy in the aura takes a negative two penalty to attack rolls. Okay. Just enemies? It just okay. says enemies. All right. So basically any other living creature that is not a troglodyte. 
But if you're allied with the troglodyte... I mean, the troglodyte would not be affected, but you probably still would be. But it's phrased as enemies. Yeah, I was just saying, that's the kind of thing, like, like we were talking about Brian earlier. Yeah. I, it's, I'm being Brian for you. It's the yeah. phrasing that kind of gets you there. Well, yeah. yeah, just like the phrasing in the Rust Monsters episode, you know, about, like, rusting only being ferrous objects because other things technically don't rust. But it's yeah. like, maybe that's not what they meant, but we don't know because they don't explain things well all the time. Yeah. So the uh, first thing we have is the Troglodyte Warrior, which is a large humanoid. Apparently, they are level 12 minions. Okay. Um, they use a club as their weapon, and their HP is one? Um, what? I can only assume that it's because they're minions, and minions they're, they're operate different. In an, in an encounter where you would encounter them en masse, I'd imagine. That That's my guess, yeah. There was a despicable me joke in there somewhere, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> but, and this is where, like, more just redundant, oh. unnecessary explanation happens. That's the word. That's the word I've been searching for to describe how I feel about so many things in 4th edition. Redundant. The, redundant. So Thank it you, states Travis. next to their HP that a missed attack never damages a minion. Which, unless I'm missing something here, a missed attack doesn't damage anything. Right? I um my 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 only thought is splash damage. Yeah, that's from what I was gonna say, like the ice like a, knife and or like a molten orb or something like that. Yeah. But that is, is that my, counting as a missed attack? Yes. Because you're not aiming at it specifically. Unless you were. Unless you were, yeah. Okay, so that makes a little bit more sense. It was just like, I mean, but, but that whenever also I make read sense. it, I was so confused. Like, uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Okay, all right. And Deep breaths, everyone. Naturally, they <sighs> are still chaotic evil. Like I said, that lasts the entire history. You know, I feel like you can't attach the word naturally in front of that either, even though you did specify that earlier. Because 4th edition fucks around with the alignment so That's much. true. I was really surprised <laughs> that their alignment didn't change yeah. in 4th edition. They're just, like, randomly lawful They're good. unaligned. They're just randomly lawful good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we then have the Troglodyte Mauler, which is a medium creature. Okay. And they are level 6 soldiers. Okay. Um, their HP is 74. Their AC is 22. Which makes me think that they might actually be wearing armor now. It doesn't state anywhere specifically that they are or they are not, but like an AC of 22 seems really high if you're just relying on natural armor. Yeah. Yeah. Again, fourth edition numbers are massively inflated, but it just, I don't know. It's weird. Um, they can use either a great club, a javelin, or they can bite and use claw attacks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have the Impaler, which... Is a fun <clears throat> name. It is a fun name. Uh, they are also medium creatures. They are level 7 artillery, which is also a weird <laughs> phrase to describe a ranged... A, uh, like, a sentient being? Yeah, yeah. I'm just imagining loading them up into a cannon. Well, I'm specifically imagining loading the minions from Despicable Me into a cannon. <laughs> and just... Boop, boop, just firing them. <laughs> I like that imagery. Yeah. Okay. That's just that's how you do artillery in fourth edition, right? You just yeah. it's like that's it. You just pick them up and throw them. 
So uh, their Fuck. HP is 69. Nice. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Um, they use a spear or claws if it's melee, but mostly they prefer to use javelins. Okay. And they have an ability called impaling shot. <laughs> they do. <laughs> which allows them to throw a javelin at a higher damage rate, basically. Normally it's like 1d6 plus 4. By using this, it's 2d6 plus 4. Okay. And then the appeller can make a secondary attack against the target, which is a plus 10 versus fortitude, and failing it makes you restrained. So, so the implication is that you are you, like... Like are impaled to the ground. Which... Uh, okay. Um, dead. That's called being dead. No, I mean, not the, no, not necessarily, but I feel like there's... There's implications there that I feel like they sh- were not willing to explore. Yeah. Like, I feel like it would maybe do more than just restrain you. <laughs> like, you know, maybe some some bleeding damage. Yeah, that, that's what I would think, too, but apparently not. Oh, well, fourth edition, <clears throat> missed opportunities. What's new? Yeah. The, the two are synonymous. Then you have the Curse Chanter, which are level eight controllers. And these are the leaders. What's a controller? I mean, I have always interpreted it as someone who is like meant to be like, I I feel like I read I've read that word in fourth edition stat blocks and thought of it as like someone who is maybe meant to control the space in which an encounter happens, like keep people from running away or something like yeah, that. Yeah, which I guess would kind of make sense because they're considered the leaders, but I don't I don't know, man. It's almost like it's all fucking arbitrary and redundant and not interesting. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Uh, uh their HP is at 93. Not nice. And they can use a quarterstaff, claws, poison ray, cavern curse, tunnel grace, and chant of renewal. Okay. Yeah. So Lewin is not having it. <laughs> the okay. poison ray is pretty poison. much what you would expect. It does poison damage and causes the target to become weakened. Mm-hmm. Cavern curse is a plus eleven versus fortitude, and it will cause ongoing five necrotic damage and slow the enemy. I guess until they save out of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tunnel grace is a close burst of ten feet. And basically, it grants all allies within the burst plus five speed until the end of the shaman's next turn. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Chant of Renewal is also a close burst, and bloodied allies in the burst regain 15 HP. Okay. But only if they're bloodied, I guess. Because that's a very specific spell, apparently. Yeah, and it's a, you know, fourth edition thing. Yeah. So, as far as the lore goes... This is some of the more interesting bits here. Um, so various underdark races, such as the drow and shocking mind flayers, mm-hmm. often enslave the troglodytes yeah. and yeah. use them as fodder in their armies. And their cannons. <laughs> and their cannons. <laughs> the, the artillery variety. Their numbers have significantly shrank. They now gather in tribes of no more than 30 adults. Yeah, because they apparently like lay, what, one-tenth of the number of eggs per individual? And also, yeah. like, don't give a shit about their eggs. Apparently they are not of any import, so... Mm, yeah, no. Um, if two opposing tribes meet, there's usually a territorial fight that ensues after that. 
and they often end in one of two ways. Either with an entire tribe being annihilated, Mm. or the merging of both of the very battered tribes into one under a single leader. Yeah, that's... That tracks. Yeah, that's... Like, I really don't know what else you would do at that point, but... Like, what other options there would be, but sure. I mean, I guess there could be a, a, a aspect of, like, one, one... Well, like, one tribe wins out, and it's it's less of a merging and more like a, like, they then bring the other tribe in and, like, subjugate them. Oh, yeah. They actually do not take slaves. Well, no, that was uh, Lewin's other option for one of the other possibilities that they didn't pick, that they w- wouldn't do. Ah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that could, like, for example... Like the the, the, the drow, drow. Yeah. you know they're in the, they're into subjugation. So it's said that of the hundreds of eggs that are laid, only but, 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 okay. Yeah, no, that's all. That math doesn't check out. That's all we get is hundreds of eggs. That, no explanation as to how that works out with it the works out one fifth and one tenth numbers. But that doesn't add up. Apparently, no. that okay. apparently the one tenth is not Whatever. existent in fourth edition. It's not of any import. Yeah. Only a few dozen of those hundreds of eggs actually hatch and survive to adulthood. Wait, was that one-fifth and one-tenth note maiden? That was not made in fourth edition. No, that was oh, okay. third. All right. I, 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 will, I will backtrack on some of the things I said because I thought that those two pieces of information came within the same edition, ah. which would be contradictory. But then I remembered like fourth edition wouldn't have incre- included a, ple- a piece of flavor for lore in the first place to later contradict so oh my shade being thrown i mean and i now at least have the fact that it takes two years for a hatchling to reach adulthood we didn't have that information before so that's true we we didn't really have much information about their hatchlings and that's about all we get (laughs) since they're of no import um so they don't take slaves and any captives that they get are either quickly devoured or sacrificed. Mm. And for sacrifice... Right. Cannibalism. Yeah. Um, they worship a variety of deities, but in this one it's particularly Torog, who's also known as the King That Crawls. I like it. That sounds familiar. I feel like we have mentioned, mentioned Torog him. before. I particularly remember the title, The King That Crawls. I, I need to look more into Torog at some point, but they... That sounds very familiar. Yeah. They tried to earn their various deities' divine favor by torturing creatures in rites that apparently last for hours. Hmm. Oh my. And they especially love to sacrifice intelligent creatures and brave enemies to show their dominance over them, I suppose. Yeah. No, I mean, that, yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah. So we're going to jump real quick into the grand history of the realms, just because there was something kind of interesting in it. It says that the Sarak established the realm of Mershulk, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that the Mershulkans are believed to have created, among other races, the Troglodytes. Okay. It had a list of, like, six or seven races, but apparently they are believed to have created the Troglodytes, and that's how Troglodytes were created. That's also all we get as far as their creation goes. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. So, uh, last and final, we have the Monster Manual for 5th Edition. Yay! Which, Yay. Uh, now it has them living in shallow depths of the Underdark. Mm-hmm. Which... In tracks. Makes yeah. sense. 
Um, they apparently like to mark the borders of their territories with cracked bones and skulls or with or. pictographs painted in blood or dung. <laughs> oh. Yep. Oh, yeah. That, that tracks. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> oh. Um, apparently... It stated that they are too simple-minded to plan more than, like, a few days into the future. Same. So, <laughs> they rely on constant raids and hunting to survive. <laughs> okay. Um, they still have the whole, like, leader is the strongest. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. But it also says that if any leader shows any weakness or hesitation... The other troglodytes will attack and eat it in a frenzy. In a frenzy. In a frenzy. <laughs> sure. Uh, they actually understand the value of weapons and armor and can sometimes fight one another for the right to like have Something. a specific item. Right, yeah. Which it then notes that a troglodyte tribe could be torn apart by battles over like a single longsword. <laughs> Because simple-mindedness. Hey, I mean, sometimes the sword's just really nice. I mean, there's... I mean, you know, he, whole human societies can be torn apart by a circlet of metal that you wear on your head. Uh, so, hmm. She's you got know. you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I got nothing to dispute that. Okay, then. I mean, I, I also feel like that gels with previous things that have been said about the troglodyte sans the fact that they used to not be into wearing armor, but I yeah. feel like that kind of transitioning into them valuing weapons yeah. and armor, I feel like that gels. Now, see, the, the funny thing, thing is, is while they value armor, they still don't use it. Huh. They just keep it. They know that the armor has it's value. shiny, pretty. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they are back to worshipping Laogzed, who is, and I quote, a demonic, monstrously fat, toad-sized lizard that slumbers in the abyss. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, I mean, he's just sleeping, minding his own business. You, you don't need to drag him. You don't need to be mean. Uh, he offers nothing in return <laughs> for their worship except for aspiration. Because apparently the troglodyte worshippers dream of becoming as fat, well-fed, and warily content as he seems to be. <laughs> so it's a, um, it's a... <laughs> It's, you know, it, fair. You know, I think it, it it's like a, it's like a Sarek. Like they didn't, uh, he didn't ask them to worship him. Right. <laughs> he, he's it just, just happened. He's just minding his own business. So. And then suddenly he's got worshipers. I feel like they, I feel like they're, they're trying to say that he offers them nothing, um, as, as, as sort of a, a way to shade him or show something negative about his character. But to me, it just sounds like. <laughs> he didn't anticipate all of these worshippers. He just wants to take a nap. He didn't choose this life. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention uh, very briefly back in 4th edition, their language changed from troglodyte to just draconic. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. No. All right. No. All right. Mm. No. 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 What his fuck almost died for this? <laughs> Far and secret fire. Um, Fair and two spell. Thank you. Baron Tuespell. Baron Tuespell the Warlock. Um, no, okay, no, okay. But that was... No, 
That was like the most interesting thing. Oh, okay. All right. And, yeah. It's personal now. Naturally, yeah. they got rid of it in oh. fourth edition. Because it's the most interesting thing about troglodytes. Yep. Like, and not to say the troglodytes haven't been interesting. I've really enjoyed this episode. But that is the but most. But that was like, I was on the edge of my freaking seat during yeah. that story. And they like, were just like, nah, they speak draconic because, uh, lizard. Yeah, like, <sighs> no. Fuck me. Oh, I my get it. God. Thankfully, they reversed that decision. Okay, good. The, fifth edition. <laughs> the, the immediate fourth edition to fifth edition. Oh, shit, backtrack. Yep, they so did. they now With speak just troglodyte. Good. That is it. Put it back. <laughs> um, their stench ability, uh, as usual, has changed uh, somewhat, but, like, not a whole lot at the same time. It requires a constitution saving throw. On a failed save, they become poisoned. Until the start of the creature's next turn. Mm -hmm. And then on a successful saving throw, they actually become immune to the stench of all troglodytes for one hour. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. So, um, they do have the whole sunlight sensitivity thing, which gives them the disadvantage on, like, attack rolls and perception checks. Kind of, like, drow. Yeah, if they're in, like, direct sunlight. And they have multi-attack, which allows them to make three separate attacks. One is with a bite, and the other two are with its claws. Now, that being said, these are also like challenge rating of one-fourth, so the damage on them is very low, like 1d4 each. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're still not terribly strong. Mm -hmm. They can just attack three times. Okay. Yeah, that's all I have. That's the Chocolateites. Huh. That was a wild ride. It was. I was honestly a little concerned whenever I first started researching that there wasn't going to be enough information. Mm -hmm. But no, there was. And a lot of it was focused on their whole language thing, which I thought was a really cool take, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Travis, can you hand me a die? Hmm? I just rolled an insight check to see if you're actually secretly a troglodyte. Um, I got a 10. I don't know. What does that tell me? Um, I am not a chocolateite. Otherwise, you would smell me. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm chronically congested. I'm pretty sure I have a deviated septum. I'm gonna roll an insight check on Travis. Nope, <laughs> he's telling the truth. Well, you did use my dice, so that was your problem. <sighs> yeah, you should have known better. Yeah, but uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Don't forget follow us on all of our various social media platforms. Instagram, Twitter. That's it. That is it. Uh, spread the word to your friends. Yeah. Spread, spread the word like, like smells spread out in a troglodyte in Canada. You can yeah. just like walk up and be like, hey, I know a creature that uses olfactory as their main language. And they'll be like, is it ants? And you'll be like, no, it's cooler. And then you'll shove this podcast in their face. Like that's something that you can do physically. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Do that. If you have anything you would like to suggest for us to cover in an episode, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I think with that, we will catch you next week here on Dungeonpedia. What if humans communicated mostly through smell? We'd be shit out of luck. <laughs> Listen to our smell cast. <laughs>